You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you're doing amazing and you are well and healthy wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this. Um, so excited for this week's episode with Regina Fang from Perfectly Imperfect Podcast because she and I get to sit down to talk about body positivity and body image, which if you don't know this about me by now, I'm all about talking about this topic. It is incredibly important. I think it's incredibly universal, an issue that all of us deal with as human beings and uh, highly influenced by the society and culture that we're living in. So I love unpacking this and I love hearing other people's thoughts. And Regina is an incredibly wise and passionate person. So I'm just so glad that she has taken the time to sit down to talk about this with me. Um, Regina and I actually know each other through the airwaves and through the podcast world. We've known of each other for several years, I think, at this point, but um, got to know each other much more personally uh, through us co-hosting the event Off the Mic, which was our live event uh, last month in October in LA, and that was a collaboration between, first of all, Perfectly Imperfect and Asian Boss Girl podcast, Uh, and that was such a great day, you know, 150 people coming out to hang out with us and just talk about all the different experiences that we go through personally and how we can help each other out. And that day, Regina actually hosted a breakout work session about body positivity. And because I was simultaneously running my session on freelancing and side hustling, I couldn't listen to that discussion. I was pretty bummed about that. So I found a solution, which is to finagle Regina to come to my podcast and have my own private discussion about body positivity. So that's what this episode is. And uh, it was such a great discussion and Regina is so open and honest about her experiences, her perspectives, and her realizations about herself. And hopefully I am too. And together, I hope that we can continue to create a space where others can go into that part of themselves and acknowledge whatever needs to be acknowledged in good time and to learn how to embrace yourself and deal with a lot of the struggles that people deal with their bodies and with how we feel about ourselves as people because it is a very deeper thing besides just you know the physical self so yeah that's my spiel on this episode i'm really excited hope that you enjoy it and i really quickly want to thank all of you who have been reaching out dming me about uh my first of all merch and buying the stickers so uh if you are interested you can just hit me up on instagram at first of all pod or you can email me at first of all pod at gmail.com Happy to send them out to you. And yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you again to those of you who've been buying them. It's been, I'm just really touched and amazed. And I hope that you enjoy them. I hope that they bring you something very good and positive in your life. And all right, that's it for the intro. I will talk to you later in the plugs, but I hope that you enjoy this episode on body positivity and body image with Regina Fang. Here you go. Enjoy. Boy, you played yourself with your nonsense. I, I don't know what you're How are you doing, Miss Regina? I'm doing well. Excited to be here. This is yeah. my first time like guesting on another podcast. Are you serious? Yeah. I find that I really just, hard to believe like... you're such a natural podcaster and 
such a great conversationalist. I'm like, how is that's a travesty? Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you. No, I'm super excited to be here. I've been like such a big fan of your podcast, and I feel like I don't know. I just I love listening to you speak. And so I feel like the podcast is just obviously like a great way. I mean, like, you know, we have known each other only for a few months, but I feel like every time we talk, it's just so real and raw and genuine. I feel like I've like known you forever. Oh, I feel the same way. Well, it's funny because I've been listening to your podcast with Christine, Perfectly Imperfect. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to that for quite a while. And so I feel like it's that same feeling of like, I feel like we know each other. I feel like I've talked mm-hmm. with you and heard your thoughts and feelings yeah. for a while. So that's mm-hmm. interesting feeling of connection, which I appreciate. But no, I've had so much fun getting to know you, Regina. This has been... Yeah, same. Shout out was, to the Off the Mic girls because this was a great connection. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, we're here. This was actually something that I wanted to do for quite a while, even before Off the Mic. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just further solidified by our event where you got to host... Such a great conversation. I heard it from multiple people about body positivity and just knowing more about what you've been going through as a person, as a professional. Uh, I just thought it'd be so great to have you sit down and talk with me on first of all. Okay. Because it is something, it's a topic that, you know, I think any person can relate to. Yeah. Yours truly for sure. Um, Mm And I'm just curious because I couldn't be part of your breakout session. I was curious, like, how that went for you and, like, what you guys talked about. Maybe yeah. We could start there. So um, the first time we ever even brought up this topic of, like, body positivity or just, like, body consciousness was in an episode we did for Perfectly Perfect, also, like, way, way in the beginning. And I remember I had such a hard time recording that mm. because it was my first time really actually, like, owning up to it because I've always grown up, like, a little curvier than other girls. You know, I'm not necessarily plus size, but, you know, your girl's got a booty. <laughs> and hey. It was always... <laughs> and it was always like really hard for me to buy clothes. It made me feel really self-conscious to be like, like constantly compared to other Asian American females. And so I think that it was so hard for me to record that, that even as I was editing, I ended up opening up more. Like I ended up editing, like recording separate clips and then having that inserted in Ooh. because I felt like I wasn't tr- being as true and open about my like body image issues like that I grew up kind of struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like my first kind of intro into just like kind of talking about it more openly. That's incredible because that's such a public way. You know what I mean? If you've never mm-hmm. even, say in a private setting between friends, like really even acknowledged it to go, yeah. it's like going zero to a hundred pretty quick. So I just want to take yeah. a second, sorry to interrupt you, but to no. just commend that because I think oh, it's incredibly brave. Like, mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know, this whole podcast situation and just getting to know myself in my 30s and, you know, even before that, which is like being aware of like your own truth, as mm-hmm. as cliche as that sound, but like knowing yourself and knowing how you are and why you are the way you are. Uh-huh. That's a totally, it's a big deal, you know? It's so, huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like that's how I feel about my own podcast where mm. I feel like I'm diving into these topics where I'm like, huh. I didn't realize that that behavior stemmed from this. And like, (laughs) this is why I think the way that I do. And so I am very grateful for that. And yeah, I think that with this, I think that the 
outreach too that from the community after you do talk about these like really hard hitting topics like that was super encouraging to just hear like other people's struggles and like that they feel the same way and it the thing is like everybody has some sort of warped body image issue right and like you know even my friends who I think are oh so perfect they're all like oh I hate my hips I hate my blah blah blah. you know like everybody has that (sighs) nitpickiness about themselves and I think that that's kind of what I wanted the session to be about yeah where it's like a lot of these perceptions that we have about ourselves are the most negative thoughts that we think about ourselves 100% and not and and like but the thing is like we the the problem is is that we project that onto other people Mm -hmm. and whether that's dating friends meeting new people like I remember sometimes like you know, in college, I would wear like a skirt that's like a little tighter and I, like maybe my stomach's showing a little. And I'd be like, oh my God, you know, this guy that I'm meeting right now, that's probably all he sees. Uh-huh. And like <laughs> that would just consume me. And then I yeah. would just be like, oh my God, like I look terrible. I feel terrible. And it's, and it's like probably like not even what the other person is thinking in the first place. Right. And so we like always build up this idea of who we are in other people's eyes when in reality, that's just how we think about ourselves. Well, oh, totally. And it's like that that's the all consuming nature of these insecurities. Should they go, in my opinion, this is my opinion, but like, should mm-hmm. they go un, unacknowledged? They, mm-hmm. they start to really run the show. And that's the part mm-hmm. that I think has been so maddening about that whole process of becoming more self-aware is yeah. recognizing because it is a very, for me at least, it was like a super humbling, infuriating realization of like <laughs> how much these decisions or these, insecu- not decisions, honestly, I wasn't deciding. I feel like these insecurities and these beliefs or these I don't know, it's straight up just border, like paranoia, right? Mm-hmm, or like delusions mm-hmm. of grandeur, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the proper uh, psychological term is, but <laughs> it it ran my life, you know? And it's yeah. in part still kind of does, which mm-hmm. still pisses me off and like mm-hmm, annoys mm-hmm. me. But I'm just right. really trying to reconcile with that, which is why I care about having these kind of conversations because it does help to hear that I'm not alone in this this plight, mm-hmm. you know, like this issue and this feeling of... Like you sometimes feel like a crazy person because you like you can't ever just chill. You're not yeah. for me at least. I just I couldn't relax because I'm always in my head about it. Yeah, and your mind is just thinking about all the negative things about yourself, not even just about body image. It's like, oh, I don't like the way I said that. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way that I wrote that. I don't like the way that you know. Like it's it's all consuming, mm-hmm. and I feel like that so much so negatively affects your self esteem and the way that you view your, the way that you view yourself, the way that you even like put yourself out there, Mm -hmm. you know, like even in a work situation, friend situation, I feel like when you start thinking about all these negative thoughts, you don't put your best self forward. And I love what you said about acknowledging, you know, the fact that you have these insecurities. I think that was huge for me. I think in the beginning, I was always like, why do I feel this way? Why do I have these like negative thoughts about myself all the time and why am I projecting that all to other people? I think that when I was able to really hone in on like, okay, this stemmed from, you know, growing up in an Asian household where Asian family members, not just parents, would just kind of like pick at your body. Like, Oh yeah, oh, they take liberties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Like it's, it, it, it doesn't even phase them. It's like asking about the weather. It's like, oh, you've gained weight. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're so fat. You know? Eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Right. But, and it's like such a mixed, like warped cultural thing too. And I remember when I was little, like one of my great aunts used to like love to like, like slap my like arms and like my thighs. She's like, oh, so bouncy. And she's like, oh, so good to like hit. And I was just like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Okay, we can unpack that. I definitely want to go there. And, and because there's so much, there are layers to that because what you're saying is like, there's cultural, like preconceived notions, there's cultural beliefs, like to some people that really isn't a disrespectful thing to do. It's not a harmful thing for them yeah. to do because they're, again, it's their perception of what beauty is or what a body, is, you know, like, does it, in America, it's like hyper independent. Like my body is mine. Like I did mm -hmm. not consent to that. And then mm -hmm. everything in like a lot of Asian cultures and and beyond is very communal. It's like my body is not my body. My body <laughs> my body belongs to my parents and to like yeah. my future husband or whatever. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily belong to you. So those lines and those boundaries are just so different, and that can result yeah. in so many different interpretations of behavior. So yeah. I, I'm just, okay, I definitely want to get to that. And I'm so curious to kind of do a prequel to that conversation to understand mm -hmm. when, I'm curious, when you became aware of your body. Like, do you, mm -hmm. now that you have this awareness now as an adult, do you mm -hmm. remember when you started to feel any sort of like self-consciousness? Was it like puberty? Was it younger than yeah. that? I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was really more so in middle school. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, right, like I never felt bad about my body. I only started feeling bad about my body when other people started pointing things out or when I started comparing, I don't know, jean sizes to my friends. And I was like, yeah. oh, their number's a lot smaller than mine. Like, what? You know, like, I don't think that we consciously are, you know, an, like ashamed of our bodies, but I think it's something that like society and your kind of social circles that slowly kind of influence that. So I think my biggest, well, one of the things that's like coming to mind right now is like in middle school when Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants was like <laughs> a huge movie and like uh -huh. we all read the books, we all watched the movies, we were so excited about it. My friends and I were like, oh my God, it'd be so cool if like we had a pair of like traveling pants. Got and it. I was like, oh my God, okay, like, yeah, let's do that. And when like, and like, you know, they would choose a size and I like, couldn't squeeze into it. And then finally, when I found a pair that I could squeeze into, it was like falling off of them. Mm. And so I feel like that was probably one of like the first instances when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so much bigger than them. Like I can't fit into the same jean size. How did that make you, when you recognize that was like, was that a feeling of like just embarrassment? Was that like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it was just like, I was embarrassed. I was kind of like, oh my gosh, what do they think of me? Mm. Which is, which is like a huge, you know, very middle school thing, way, way of thinking, right? Like, mm. oh, what do they think that I can't fit into the same jean size as them? Yeah. And it wasn't even that they were pointing it out. Like none of them were like, oh my gosh, like you, you have to be a size, like, I don't know, eight or 10. And it wasn't that at all. It was totally me in my head building up like, oh my gosh, what do they think of me now? that, you know, we're, we're, our sizes are so different. So no one was Regina Georging you. It was just... No one was <laughs> Regina Georging me in school. I, I don't know. I feel like I had a mildly like decent middle school time in regards... To, I mean, like I fought with my friends, but like who did it in middle school? Yeah. But I never really ha experienced a lot of like bullying or like finger pointing, which I'm very grateful for because I'm a very soft person and I feel like <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to handle that. But I think that it was a lot of like in a way, like I was bullying myself and then mm -hmm. like self-criticisms that I just carried on through the rest of my life. 
I mean, it's hard to shake that for sure. And I think that whenever that awakening comes in terms of like caring about your appearance, I guess, because Mm -hmm. middle school is a tender time and it's a time of coming of age. It's a kind of the average, I guess, the median time where a lot of people go through puberty, become aware of whoever their sexual interest starts going to. Mm -hmm. And, And that does affect because suddenly whatever you're talking about, your personality and certainly your appearance start to matter in a different way that didn't before Mm -hmm. suddenly it's like this currency that just comes into existence you're like oh so-and-so is prettier than me well what what makes her prettier well she's she looks like all the girls on tv she's skinny Mm -hmm. she has like long hair I don't know like what have you right and Mm -hmm. those things I think start getting embedded in in our minds like I'm doing going full psychologist on here but I'm just (laughs) like my observation is those cues start getting into our brains I think really really young like Disney you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. the princesses Mm -hmm. set a very specific the long flowing hair the like you know they're all like just so whatever I can't even I don't know why I'm gesticulating I'm like making movements and no one can see me but (laughs) no because they have very beautiful hair their waists are tiny you know teeny tiny their eyes are huge like it's it's a very I mean it's it's a cartoon but when you're a kid, I don't think you can see that. Like, I don't think that you believe that that's a cartoon. Yeah. And so you start taking those on as like realistic beauty expectations. Right. I was Ariel, 100%. Like I was (laughs) in the pool and I was Ariel. (laughs) Yes. I know. I remember Jasmine's like hair, you know, oh my God, dreamy, right? Like even to this day, I'm like, oh my gosh, just give me half of that amount of hair. I'll be very pleased. The volume, her eyebrows like on point. Yeah. And I feel like as I started getting older, there was like more and more that I didn't like about myself. Oh, yeah. And I think that that is, I mean, like, and and again, it's always when someone else points it out to me. So like, I remember um, in like, call like high end of high school going into college I was in like a YouTube video where somebody was like oh my god her thighs are so big mm. and I was like oh my god are they and then someone else pointed out to me like oh my gosh that girl has no eyebrows and I was like oh, do I need to start painting them in yeah and so like these were all beauty standards that I didn't even place on myself like I w- I never thought that I didn't have eyebrows I never thought that my thighs were like big but then slowly and slowly as I started reading these comments I feel like I needed to kind of put on this persona to kind of like combat that mm-hmm. so I remember when I got the thick thighs comment um I made like a tumblr post about it and I was like oh, calling them out I know right all tumblr oh it has a, such a special <laughs> special place in my heart uh, but I remember I made this like a uh, tumblr post about it and I was you know, very like, I feel like that was already like kind of like the beginning of my like body positivity, but I don't know if I believed in it as much as I was like preaching it. Mm-hmm. And even Christine, my co-host on Perfectly Imperfect, she was like, oh, wow, I thought that you handled that criticism extremely well. Mm. And I think that on the outside, I would always try to like show that it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, when my parents make comments to this day, like I still put up like this front to be like, no, 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 no. Like, um, well, I love my curves. I love my, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like that was something that I, but I, that was still something I really struggled with on the inside. So like For my sure. words and like what I was like feeling about myself, like weren't really like coinciding. For sure. And I think, well, it's you try to, in, in to a degree, you can look at it multiple ways. Like you're, you're just like do the fake it till you make it, but you're, you're trying to preserve yourself. Like you're trying to preserve mm-hmm. some sense of self-love or or Mm -hmm. dignity or protection of yourself and Mm -hmm. for me actually I started my whole journey with being 
self-aware of my body and honestly being ashamed of my body really, really mm-hmm. young. And it started within my own family because my I had an older brother. Mm-hmm. And he, I love you, Lewis. You're the best. <laughs> He's one of my best, best friends. Like I will have, I will get him on this podcast one day because I do not want to continuously like throw him under the bus. But as kids, <laughs> he was a punk. Like he was mm-hmm. just a punk and he was punked by my dad. And then, you know, I'm next in the rank. So I got, you know, I, I received his wrath. Um, <laughs> but he used to make fun of me, you know, and he used to call mm-hmm. me fat or like poke at me. Um, Because there were times, like, I look in retrospect, I was chubbier at times. Like, I would go in waves because you're just growing. You're a child. And um, my family's, like, super military, so... God, I'm just exposing. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm like imagining a sound of music scenario where all it, the kids are lined up. Kind of. Okay, so like Korean Americans will feel me on this. There's a different way that like... Some Korean kids get, like, punished in certain ways, which, again, when you're growing up, is just normal. But, like, mm-hmm. for me, like, there's something called uh, standing part, which means you have to, like, you basically have to sit with your arms up for, like, an oh hour gosh. or two or whatever. Do Chinese, like, does your... Wait, sit in, like, a normal chair or, like, up against you have the to, wall? Like, you have to, like, stand on your knees or you have to stand in a corner or you, like, sit and you just have to raise your arms. Like, that's part of the punishment because after oh about, like, five minutes, it starts yeah. to really freaking hurt. Wow. And like, you have to do it for an hour? Like, whatever your punisher decides. And, like, this is wow. stuff that was happening in, uh, maybe to this day in Korean mm-hmm. schools. Like, that's how mm-hmm. teachers would discipline students in Korea. Oh, my gosh. They would literally, if you were a punk in in class and you needed yeah. to get disciplined, if you didn't get, like, your hand slapped by a ruler or whatever, like, you had to stand. I mean, that's a nonviolent way. <laughs> right. But it's, you torturous. Get, <laughs> it's torturous. It's torturous. It's not so, directly violent. If I got Which is trouble, how us Asians like to do things. Exactly. Like psychologically damaged. That's the long term. We, we think long term. We're not thinking exactly, short. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like, I would, I would have bratty moments. I definitely mm-hmm. leveraged the tears. I like put on the waterworks to get my brother in more trouble if he like pissed mm-hmm. me off. And so, yeah, is he your older brother? He's older. Okay. And so, one of the new punishments. So he used to make me do that where I like sit with my arms up and like it hurt and I cried mm-hmm. more. But like one day he like made me run laps and do sit ups. And so this is kind of like where we're like super military family. Like mm-hmm. my grandfather was in the Korean army. He was like a colonel. And like that's how they would. Like my dad did that to him. He'd make him run laps, you know, like it's wow. like a it's like a coach, like a sports coach almost. Mm. Or like mm-hmm. a drill sergeant. So like he did that to me. I feel so bad. I almost have to have my brother <laughs> on the street to eat him. He's a great person, you guys. But he punished me and like I had to run and he was just like yelling at me and like, you know, mm. telling me to do sit-ups. And like I just remember that was pretty young. It was before I was 10. And mm-hmm. I just kind of recognized, like, oh, I'm not able to do— It was really hard for me to, like, run. Mm-hmm. And I always yeah. hated PE at school, mm-hmm. too. So, like, all these things— And I liked boys really early, starting when I was, like, four. So I really cared, like, if I was pretty and stuff. Yeah. But all these things, including the way that, like, I was disciplined by my family and the way that, like, you're talking about culture. Like, the yeah. Korean culture was very, very— openly having dialogue on body and like, oh, you're mm-hmm. pretty. You look pretty today. Oh, you look like what? It's just so direct. We're so yeah. passive aggressive and everything else. But in that, we're super direct. I feel like and it's and it's like with immediate family, right? Yeah. Like it's like parents to children and sometimes even children. And I think that 
Well, I think that the children back to the parents thing is more so like us being more Americanized. Yeah. Like I watched The Farewell again recently with my parents because I really wanted them to kind of, I wanted to spark that talk about like East versus West because I think that there are a lot of differences still. And I always thought of myself as like, oh, you know, yes, I was born here, but I feel like there's a lot of like Eastern ideals that I still like believe in and follow and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I feel like that that movie is like, so defining where it's like, I don't agree. Mm. And I think that that's like, I don't know. I feel like I was always as a kid, like I just kind of did as I was told. I really went with the flow. Like I didn't have a favorite anything. I didn't really like stand up or like have any like very, very strong opinions about anything. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in a way, like when my parents would make these comments or family members would make these comments, I would just kind of be like, oh, okay. And kind of like absorb it. And I don't even know if it like made me feel anything until later on Mm. when I start, it started to like, yeah, affect me more. I started to like boys. I was starting to compare myself to other girls at schools and I was just like, oh my God, that girl is so pretty. I always found myself staring at other girls more than I stare at guys just because I'm like, oh my God, like (laughs) she's so pretty. She is the standard. (laughs) Yeah. Even yesterday at a Pilates class, this girl came in in a crop top and like flat stomach. I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I know the feeling, Regina, when you say that, my heart, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, um, in this, and I think that in high school was when I started kind of fighting back against my parents when they would say stuff about my weight and very much more so in like college. And I feel like from my parents' perspective, you know, I think that they, they have a medical background. So I think that they are trying to come at this at like a, you know, we want to make sure you don't have, you know, I have a family history of high blood pressure and diabetes and stuff like that. And I understand mm-hmm. like the health concerns, but I think that when they kind of blatantly just comment on like, oh, that looks a little tight on you or like, oh, that doesn't look good on you because you're bigger. Mm -hmm. Like, I think those ideas started like really resonating with me. And um, that's when it started really affecting kind of, I I didn't want to wear, like, I didn't really, I like love clothes. That's, that was like a huge thing as well. My mom was always like, oh, well, if you like clothes so much, like, why don't you lose weight to look good in them? And I, my mom like does not hold back and I love her to death and I understand where she's coming from, but this is a cultural difference, right? Like a white mom would never say that. (laughs) And like, if anybody said that on TV, like they would totally get called out on it, especially in this climate. Mm -hmm. But I think that like for an Asian, like me telling you that you're kind of like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that sounds like, that sounds like what my mom would say, you know? And so I think that it's like little comments like that, that I would then harbor Mm-hmm. And then that became my idea of myself. For like, sure. I couldn't be pretty because I was bigger. I was undesirable because I was bigger. Like all of these things. And it didn't have to just be with guys. It could have been like a job or like a friend. And right. it just bled into everything. Well, I've... I. First of all, I just need to thank you for being so like vulnerable and honest about that because... It is it is a big thing to not even admit, but like just like dive into because this mm-hmm. is this is so I think intrinsically tied to our sense of self. And that 
we can look at it from one aspect, which is a huge aspect. I never downplay the impact of our feelings of attractiveness and our feelings of like, I'm telling you, like the data shows it from my own podcast, like the dating and relationships thing, like having somebody that you have chemistry with and that you feel romantic feelings with that element of ourselves is incredibly sacred. It's important. So we often look at this whole situation of desirability and like attractiveness and physical beauty from that aspect. But I just mm-hmm. want to also acknowledge the fact that this is way, it can be, you, we can zoom out so much further because that's just one part, you know, and this goes so much hand in hand with just self-confidence in general. Like the yeah. feeling of having a right to occupy space, like the feeling of worthiness to have a freaking opinion in a meeting that has nothing to do with like, am I going to bang anybody in this room or not? (laughs) It has anything, you know, it's just like, who am I? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. the part that I think has when I'm unpacking like my Korean rage, like what are the things that my brother has asked me? He's like, what are you so angry about? Like, and he didn't ask me in like, like a sarcastic, like, why are you so mad? He was like, "What, what are you angry about? Like, what are the things that fuel this this rage because everybody that's Korean like jokes about it. We all know we have this like burning fire inside this <laughs> inferno. But I, mm-hmm. I want to identify it and I want to mm-hmm. understand. And part of it is what you're talking about, this like sense of self that you did not choose to mold in this way, but now you're kind of like stuck with it. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, so what yeah. do I do? <laughs> No, I mean, I I think that that was honestly my biggest issue. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of kids, um, parents will call them bratty and whatever because they were like so opinionated and they were like so kind of aware and conscious of who they were. Mm-hmm. I think that was my biggest issue. I didn't know who I was and I just mm-hmm. let other people tell me who I was. Got it. And as I started getting older and like that not settling with me, that was like, oh, well, why don't I have opinions about this? Why don't I speak up more? And it's because I think culturally I was taught, like my last, my Chinese name is Jing, which means quiet. And they, and, and I think that my parents gave that name to me because they're like, you're a girl, you should be not submissive, but just like, you know, very polite, very easygoing, very like kind of not causing a disturbance. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, like my dad reminds me, he's like, oh, you know, I think it's great that, you know, you're creating this content and have this podcast and stuff like that. But maybe like, you know, stray away from like some of the harder topics, like politics or something like that. He's always like, you know, don't cause a ruckus. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't upset people with what you have to say. Mm. And that's not, I feel like if I were to say that in kind of the American context, like that can be taken in a very negative way, but I understand where they're coming from because I grew up in that household. For sure. So I think for the long, and that's something like the self-identity crisis is what I'm still dealing with today Yeah, because I was taught to be so easygoing that I don't know what I want. And I think that that's what this bit, the bigger part of this year has been for me, like trying to figure out what I want, but then also struggling with this like idea of who I should be, who I could be Mm. and them not necessarily like matching up all of the time. Right. And finding some semblance of acceptance in between. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and I feel like that also plays like, it it plays in a huge part of just like every aspect of my life, you know, like, um, kind of going back to like the body image issue thing. Um, some of my friends since moving back to LA, like one of them in particular, she's like 
gone to personal training like three to five times a week and she's lost a lot of weight. She looks great. And a lot of the times I'll look at that and be like, well, I have, and she's like working a full-time job as well versus Mm -hmm. like, I'm still, you know, doing like my podcast stuff, some of my clothing line stuff. And I feel like I could have committed myself as well. So like, why didn't I? Like, why was I lazy? And like, why do I always make excuses for myself? And I feel like that really bleeds into like how I feel about myself too. Like, oh, if other people can do it, like, why, why can't I? Right. And you know, like Adele recently came out and she like lost a ton of weight. And I was like, wow, she looks great. I mean, not just because she lost weight, but I don't know, like that affects me when I see like other people, um, kind of going towards their goal of like weight loss, even though it has nothing to do with me. Well, I mean, I think that's, we're just social creatures. I think that that makes total sense because we look to each other for some sign of hope, you know, or Mm -hmm. like, not even inspiration, but I'm like achievability. So it seems thing is like all these thematic things that we talk about on our podcast about Asian representation or just like working in an industry where you don't see a lot of women or Mm -hmm, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. It's kind of like, can it be done? And when you see those signs of like, oh my gosh, that person, we are similar body sizers, body type. And I can only imagine there's kind of a built sympathy and empathy of they understand how hard it must be because we have these similar like just assumption wise but you like assume like we have a similar struggle and like right. they did it that's incredible mm-hmm. and i think that those things are super important which is why again i go back to like <laughs> why i praise you and christine for mm-hmm. creating the platform that you have and all of us honestly for mm-hmm. being the people that are going to be for whatever reason if we're considered rabble rousers fine like <laughs> i've had to deal with the exact same feelings as you regina in terms of like being not oppressed, but suppressed a little bit because I, mm-hmm. in terms of like letting your full self shine, right? And like right. being told in so many words, either directly or through other indirect means, like the way that your personality is or your thoughts and opinions could cause you harm and trouble, which mm-hmm. they can. That's not mm-hmm. untrue. But in in instead of that, instead of being a fully fleshed out human being, just hold it back and just keep it to yourself. And coming from someone who was opinionated, like, since Mm -hmm. birth, (laughs) it was definitely a constant push-pull. And then when it came to my body, it was the same thing because I kept Mm -hmm. having so many things dictated to me about the way I look. And I straight up—it wasn't even my—my mom's actually the one that's super loving and very, very, Mm -hmm. like, always telling me I'm beautiful. So Mm -hmm. I forever just appreciate her always being that that source of unconditional love— but yeah. it seemed like everybody else had an opinion, like my grandma, her sister, mm-hmm. my dad, like my brother. Everyone had yeah. something to say. And I'm like, all right, right we'll go that's, after yourself. Well, that's very nice that you have. I mean, like, I know my parents love me unconditionally as well, but, you know, they have a lot of opinions. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. my mom's very, very vocal with her opinions. And I think that now that I'm older, too, like, she'll like I'll push back or if she talks about a certain, like my body in a certain way, I'll get very upset with her and I'll tell her straight. Like, I think that like, it took me until now to have days where I'm like, Ooh, I'm really loving the way I'm looking in this dress. And I'm like, Oh, I love the way that these jeans fit on me. But it took me so long to get here Mm -hmm. that like when she does kind of make those like kind of side comments, it does kind of feel like a sting. It does feel like a couple steps back, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I totally understand where, you know, some people are like, well, I could never talk to my mom about it because she's not receptive and blah, blah, blah. And I totally relate to that, you know? 
on good days, my mom is like, oh, okay, maybe I'll phrase it in a different way. And other times she's like, well, you really need to lose the weight. Like I'm saying this for your future health and blah, you know, we get into it. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's kind of finding that balance of like what your body means to you. Yeah. And you know, it really is remarkable what our bodies have been able to do for us up yes. until this point, right? Yes. Like the fact that we're living and breathing and talking and capable of ho- holding conversations and building relationships with other people and being able to, you know, hike if we wanted to swim, if we wanted, you know, like we're, we're so capable of so many things that we like overlook. Yeah. And I think that, um, especially as like my grandmother is kind of sick right now and she's very f- weak and frail. And I think that that was kind of like a reality check for me as well, where I was like, you know, we're going to all have one day where we get there. Right. But it's like, what can our bodies allow us to do in the meantime? Right. You know? And it's so powerful to think about it that way, because I think that for me, like my journey with my body, I was like, okay, well, maybe I don't need to lose the weight. I just need to tone up. Mm. So then I would start working out more and I would work out in the ways that other people would work out because I was like, oh, um, you know, it works for them. Like they look so great. I want to do that too. But then I started to realize like, Hey, you know, there's different kinds of workouts for different people. Like Mm -hmm. if I, I can't do hot yoga. Like some people are like swear by hot yoga. I can't do hot yoga because I swear I will pass out. Like, I just can't handle that heat. You're and a normal so, human, Regina. <laughs> I, I know. Like, whenever I see them coming, like, go in, I was like, I, I, I would I would die. Like, Why are you choosing to do that? <laughs> yeah. And, like, my friends have always tried to convince me. And one time, I accidentally signed up for, like, a hot yoga. It wasn't even hot yoga. It was, like, warm yoga in, like, a 78-degree room. And I was dying. I was, like, never again. But I think it was, like, a, it was just, like, a trial and error process of, like, learning what worked for me. Yeah. And I think that, like, uh, that's kind of the same way as I felt about, like, fashion. Mm. Like, what works for my body and what doesn't. And... I think that's another thing too, like trends. Trends had the tendency to make me feel really shit about my body because you have these tiny little girls wearing these like baggy clothes or like, you know, things that are cut like really weird. And that made me feel really bad about myself. And a lot of like fast fashion places that like go along with these trends will create, you know, a size large that's like for like maximum size eight. And I, was I like, mean, okay. that is a whole discussion in terms of like, again, what, cause I like to reverse engineer and break it down. You know what I mean? Like, let's take mm-hmm. the layers because I have all these feelings. Like, where are these feelings coming from and why? Mm-hmm. Like, I really do care about that, which yeah. is let's look at how clothes are labeled. Let's look at yes. how there's no consistency. Like, you take two completely different brands and they will tell you one, you're a size 10 and one, you're like a size two. Like, yeah. There, there's no there's no consistency and what those numbers start to mean and what they start to register in terms of a reaction of our mm-hmm. self-image or whatever mm-hmm. is tremendous. Like, yes, it, it feels in terms of like now we're just going to corporate responsibility and tor- <laughs> in terms of corporate responsibility of knowing what your product I'm, yes. I'm like going to my startup mentality. No, no but I'm loving this. What your product is doing in the larger scheme of things, there is a conscious like somebody chose to do that and someone can either mm-hmm. choose to like see the impact of what there. And this is where I think clothing in general is going into like this different level of consciousness. You can have an awareness of like what these numbers or what this type of advertising does to impact the larger psyche of the masses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there are real repercussions to that. I'm the public health major. Like, why are all these girls anorexic? Like, why are people depressed? And why are they, you know, 
I, I'm starting to wonder, like, this is not being hypochondriac, but like, I'm wondering if I've had like body dysmorphia. Because when I look at the, you know, clinical de- definitions, I yeah. align with a lot of them. Mm-hmm, and it freaks mm-hmm. me out. And this is the Korean American of like mental health stigma of like being more accepting of like my own weaknesses, I guess, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know, my vulnerabilities. But to like, acknowledge and like define is this like complete body dysmorphia because the way that I feel like I've been inhabiting my body and why it just like kind of blows my mind because again you've just like been living it you just live it and you live it mm-hmm. and you buy and you see and mm-hmm. it just you're a sponge and you're just taking it all in and you're like why am I so angry and why am I so like yes. down on myself and then you stop and think about what you're saying like the voices in your head of how you're talking to yourself mm-hmm. is just mad toxic it's it's just you would never speak to another human being that mean and that negatively talk to yourself a hundred percent and I, i totally agree with you on the clothing thing like i think that there is this like beauty standard that you know everybody needs to be a size two size four size double zero even and like like clothing and fashion companies like skewing their sizing so that it caters to that audience Mm. when in reality i i I think that i read an article recently where like the average size girl is like size 14 Mm -hmm. and it's like why are we being fed this like beauty ideal that is quite unrealistic if the average size is like a 14 right? right and i think that a lot i completely agree with you like what kind of messaging are these companies like sending out if a size large is an eight I believe if I was just through like the research that I've been doing for my company, I believe a size media uh, eight is like six to eight is like a medium. Mm-hmm. And then large is like, you know, eight to 10. And then sometimes, I mean, it changes from company to company. I mean, I have a friend when I was doing research on like, you know, how am I going to find like the right sizing for the pants that I want to make? And uh, she was like, oh, I have pants sizes from eight to 14. Mm. And like, how does that make someone feel, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, one day you're an eight. Oh my God, I feel great. I'm an eight. That's fantastic. Right. And the next day you're like trying on a pair of 14. Like <laughs> <laughs> it, it just, it blows my mind. And I know that, you know, we're always preaching, hey, you know, you're not, you're more than a number and blah, blah, blah. blah. But I think that it's just like psychologically, like then keep me consistent across like brands, you know, like yeah. I, I'm not asking for much. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the 14, but it's just like this, like kind of wavering between like the numbers and like, not really. And like, I feel like that also goes into self-identity, right? Am I a medium? Am I plus size? Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's completely different. Yeah. And I think that like, for me, that was always like my biggest thing. Like whenever I would look at trends and be like, Oh my God, this top is so cute. Let me see if I have it in my size. No, they don't. Or, Oh, why is this material cut this way? Why do the shoulders not fit right. It was just so much of like me trying to fit myself into what society was telling yes. me versus like me actually being able to embrace the way that I look and yeah. then finding what works for me. I mean, what you when you were just talking about that, one of the images that came into my head just I need to say this out loud. Like I've hated shopping actually. Mm-hmm. Like there's part of me that I love fashion. And when I yeah. see the Instagram and when I see, I'm like, oh, the, that style, like I'm obsessed with blah, blah, blah. I just think it looks so great. And it brings me a lot of joy to see fashion and, and kind of 
bask in that creativity and that self-expression and the new ways that we can cut fabric or use tweed or whatever. I think it's so great. Love it. And I love Devil Wears Prada. Oh my God. But yes, yes. (laughs) But also I hated the process of shopping. Like I, it would be like my nightmare every time Mm -hmm. I needed to go buy new pants because it would, I would be in this badly lit room Mm -hmm. surrounded by mirrors and just having to look at myself in this like all different angles that you don't normally look at yourself in (laughs) and I'm like how is anybody into this like it would literally make me go like how and these are such bad things but this is me being completely honest Mm -hmm. I'm like in my bra and underwear I'm like how is how have how have I had boyfriends like I've judged myself so harshly of like oh my gosh this is this is horrible I yeah. I have been living in a crazy land because I look disgusting. Like I've I've used really harsh words. Like I'm like I've cursed at myself. Like I'm like mm-hmm. this is fucking gross. Like what do you like? And then so I start getting down. I go down a very intense rabbit hole of like, mm-hmm. okay, you're not gonna like cutting myself off from foods. Like do, I've done so many of these like fad diets and like yeah. the working out and stuff and like coming all rooted from this deeply insecure place. Mm-hmm. Man, like when, it, it's like. It's like not even the clothes itself once you have them, but it's like, how do you even like enjoy fashion, enjoy these things that in an ideal situation bring you a lot of joy? And it could be an extension of like representing who you are because you like Mm -hmm. this color palette or you like these types of clothes. We can't even get there. Like I would Mm -hmm. refrain from shopping a lot because I was like, I'm not putting myself through that. I don't need I don't need to feel that bad about me today. Oh my gosh, totally. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I like now so much or so appreciate like online shopping Mm because then I can like have it sent to me. Um, But I, I completely, I like when you were talking about that fitting rooms, Oh my God, that is so real. Cause like, I don't know how many times I've walked into a fitting room, even in my own closet where I look at myself and I'm like, I'm disgusting. Like why would anybody even want me? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that also plays into my insecurities that I have with dating. Like, like I'm like, Oh, uh, no one would ever find me attractive. So like, it doesn't matter how charming I can be or whatever outfit I put on because like inherently on the inside, I'm just disgusting. <sighs> you know, that wrecks me. Like I, <laughs> that makes me, you're so beautiful. Regina. Like, and you're such an amazing human. And like, yeah. So what, when hearing that from you, like, destroys me a bit to like hear that but like I feel that yeah I know and I feel this exact same way about you I mean even before we met I was like wow Minji is such a powerhouse and she's going out there and making her dreams come true like I feel like everything that I see like I wish you could see yourself in my lens right like that I feel like we admire other women so much but then when it comes to ourselves we're like oh we're disgusting undateable unlovable all mm-hmm. un, un, unhireable you know all all the uns that we can think in the world right <laughs> all the uns is that the name of this podcast <laughs> all the uns uh. but, but like I think that like that can really really bleed into like even though I'll have my days of being like I look great in this I'm feeling great like you know, those thoughts do still kind of come in every once in a while. You oh, know, yeah. they, they're in the back of my mind. Like they have their little voices kind of gnawing at me. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what I feel like this later part of my 20s has been like acknowledging those voices mm-hmm. and telling them that they're wrong. Yeah. You know, sometimes Good for it's you. A, and sometimes it's like difficult. You know, sometimes I don't feel my best and I let those voices take over and then I have like a really bad day. But I think that it's, being aware of like the things that you are unhappy with yourself about right. and then being like, what can I 
change or what can I accept? For sure. That's that's so important because that's when I guess, you know, it's not all about sometimes I think life is this really unique thing. I'm getting very meta, but it it feels like it's a balance of acknowledging what you cannot control and like mm-hmm. kind of surrendering to that and just be like, you know yeah. what, this is this is I can't do anything about this. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, also being like, I have 100 percent control or influence or choice in how this turns out. And yeah. I think it's always this constant push-pull of acknowledging what you have no control over. Like you can't control what other people think of you. You can try and you can live that life of like always trying to please like the invisible they, mm-hmm. the collective they, mm. and then see where that gets you. And I've definitely tried that mm-hmm, in spades. Mm-hmm. Or it's just kind of like choosing to say, hey, you do you. Whatever you think is what you think. I will choose to do whatever I can do, kind of like fighting for yourself to like not let that disrupt what I think of me. Like right. that that will not define me. And um, it's tough. And we live in an interdependent world. And that's another topic I really want to talk about if this feeling of dependence and independence, but like moving into this world of interdependence. I'm reading lots mm. of books. Um, <laughs> because we need, we. it's good to have other people, like it takes a village and it, it's good to have other people to help you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, I, there's so many facets at play when it comes to body image stuff and like how we look at ourselves, the mental health aspect, but also the physical health aspect. Like I think when there were moments in my life, especially in high school where I was in a really dark place Mm -hmm. and I just for a minute, quote unquote, gave up. And I was like in rebellion because I always, I was already feeling so bad about myself. I was just like, you know what? screw all of you, screw all of these beauty standards. And I kind of went down this really unhealthy path of like Mm. eating whatever I wanted in terms of like just eating Flaming Hot Cheetos dipped in nacho cheese, which is amazing. But like- Sounds delicious. (laughs) It was amazing and I would like some right now. But like that became my normal and like eating that with ice cream. And there's something about my relationship with food too that Mm -hmm. that switched that I think I was using as like a um, defense mechanism or something to cope because I was like, screw your beauty standards. I will never live up to this. So I'm just going to- I don't care if all of this goes to hell because yeah. whatever. And oh my God, yes. Prolonged, like for real, like in terms of a health issue. I, I've i had people in my world that have significant health issues because of what they eat and their diet and their exercise. And it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. So like there mm-hmm. are consequences to that mentality, right? So mm-hmm. it's like one extreme to another. Oh, yeah. I mean, I totally relate to the food thing. Like, I've always loved food and I feel like that was kind of my, like, safe haven, if anything. Like, if I had a bad day at work, I'm like, I'm going to go get Shake Shack right now. I'm going to go get In-N-Out. Like, I just needed something to, like, that was delicious and good and comforting that would make me feel better. Mm -hmm. But it never did make me feel better. And so I feel like my relationship with food has always been that way where I'm like, I'm going to eat super healthy and buy all these healthy foods and stock my fridge with them so that whenever I'm hungry, I'll only reach for those things. And then, and then you go by McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. And then you go and like, you know, you're like, oh, look, I have all these like this kale and broccoli in my fridge. Let me order some pizza. Yeah. And so <laughs> I feel like that my relationship with food in like middle school, like I remember whenever my parents weren't home, like my grandma would go get me McDonald's and I was like, oh, this is like such a treat, you know, like getting junk food. And that was like such a treat. Mm. And I remember one of my best friends like hated vegetables, like hated any green vegetables. And so I was like, oh, I don't like vegetables either. 
But I think now as an adult, like I think I still look at like fast food and those indulgences as like a treat. But then if I'm having a bad day, which can be several times a week, like Mm -hmm. I can't be using that as like a band-aid, you know? Right. And like, as I've grown up, I realized that, oh, actually I do like a lot of vegetables and I do like cooking and like trying new recipes, but it's like also about like that initiative of me wanting it because like, I want to feed my body like what I love. And like what- Yeah. But like, again, it's a huge struggle. Like on days where like, I just want it, I'm craving a burger and I just want a burger. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go get a burger, you know? Yeah. And, and like, I, I think that like, it, it's like a weird kind of mental thing too. Cause sometimes I'll be like, Oh, it's okay. I'll get this burger now. And then I'll just work out afterwards. But then I feel terrible when I'm working out afterwards (laughs) because then I, it's like this heavy, heavy meal, like sitting in my stomach, you know? Yeah. And, um, I feel like that's been something that I feel like has come up more so recently in the past couple of weeks again, where I'm like, um, things have been so busy. So I'm like, oh, let me just grab something quick. Let me grab something quick. But then, oh, I should work out to work this off. And then like feeling, and like, I also haven't been as consistent with my workout schedule either. So I feel like the past couple of times I've done like spin classes, I like literally feel like death. Like I have to like <laughs> lay down afterwards. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is like really, really, I'm like really struggling through this. Mm-hmm. And that's like worrisome. Like I'm not even 30 and I'm like, and like little workouts like this is already f- affecting my health. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like right now my body image issues have kind of now like started to bleed into more of like health consciousness mm-hmm. because I do have a couple of friends who work like, you know, really, really high stress jobs. And like, that's given them like high blood pressure in the past. And like, we're not even 30, like that's a very, very serious issue. You know, people are having stomach ulcers and like all of these things that from my parents' perspective, they're like, that's unheard of when we were, you know, when we were your age. And it is a societal thing where I feel like they promote like convenience over like health. And um, I was reading this article about, cause when I came back from uh, spending like two weeks in Europe over the summer in, in Paris with my cousin, I had this like existential crisis where I was like, oh my God, the French like really enjoy life. They like, really know how to enjoy uh, life. They do. Like, they really, really do. And I feel like I actually think that they're much better at like work, work life balance than we are. Family family work life balance than we are like i feel like family's a huge priority but w- that's a topic for another day but mm-hmm. one of the um things that the article was talking about was that um have you ever heard of soylent it's like yes. a nutritional yes so, it tastes like cardboard <laughs> it tastes like car- it's like disgusting but it's meant to be like a meal replacement right right, right. and they were like asking can you imagine like the french creating <laughs> a, a bottled meal replacement so that you can like work more and like worry about your health and like not worry about your health and stuff like that. Like they prioritize like productivity and like all this stuff over your health. And like, they're like, can you imagine the French coming up with something like that? Because that definitely sounds like something that Americans would come up with. The absurdity of that idea is ridiculous. I mean, this people can have all of their own like pre, you know, preconceived notions about the French and they make fun of the French people for all these things. But like in that regard, I got to live in Paris twice for a few months each. And like, I really, really respected that savoring of food and time. Mm -hmm. And like the absurdity of that notion of a soylent in France is like the funniest (laughs) thing. And I think that that's something to like look at because again, coming back to the impact of culture, Mm -hmm. what are we valuing, right? You're going to value 
compromising your health, your sanity. Your me- mm-hmm. It's not even just like your physical health because it's very tied to mental health, right? Like mm-hmm. the clarity of your thought, your sleeping habits and your sleeping quality and hours and like time with your family that you'll never get back. I mean, mm-hmm. these are real things. It's not to like, you know, shit all over the U.S. I, no, I'm i very proud to be American. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that I think we excel at and it's I'm very grateful to be in America. But like at some point, There's like this unadulterated, like this rampant capitalism and this rampant like marketing of everything and everything is a commodity, including us Mm -hmm. as humans. Everything is a quick fix. Yeah. And everything has to be in a quick fix. Yeah. There are there are consequences to that. It's not as simple like, oh, well, that's just the way we are. Like, okay, keep going that way. See how that Mm -hmm. goes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like even down to like getting Amazon packages in two days. And now in L.A., they say that it's they're like now offering like one day shipping mm-hmm. and like um i remember like staying with my cousin and they have like a propane gas like stove and i was like what happens when it runs out he's like you just deliver you get another one delivered and i was like what <laughs> like, <laughs> i was so i was like but then what if you run out and you can't cook and they're like well then you figure it out and i was like it, it what what like it just there were so many things that to me at the time probably made me seem like super american but seems so impractical but mm-hmm. And like, and like kind of like, yeah, again, once again, like hindering on like productivity. But again, I think that like we're all in America, we're like so focused on change, change, change and like all these things, which is one of the reasons why our country it has been so successful. But mm-hmm. then it's like, yeah, like when is it time to just slow down and like think about ourselves and not be chugging soy lens for, you know, <laughs> breakfast, lunch and dinner and like actually feeding ourselves like good, healthy, like greens and proteins and, mm-hmm. you know, like the right carbs and stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, that's been a, <laughs> that the, you opening up this topic about like my relationship with food has also been like, a, oh yeah, that's a, that's something I need to address. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope in a good way because I'm no, here to definitely. support a hundred percent. I, I definitely, I, whenever I talk about like, I had an episode on first of all for, about fitness um, mm-hmm. with Autumn. Uh, she does nutrition videos on YouTube and she's someone I like cold emailed and I was like, can I just pick your brain about intermittent fasting? But yeah. like, I've definitely gone into that entire world of like obsessive fitness and health specifically for vanity reasons. Like I went into yeah. all that because I've been looking at weight loss stuff. Like I've been studying it and like would love to have you back to talk more about Mm -hmm. all of these I love what you're talking about the workouts because I think it's it's an important part of life just being active because we Mm -hmm. are very sedentary we're always just sitting on our devices a lot and not Mm -hmm. moving around as much as our bodies would like and what good it can do um but yeah I feel like I've approached this whole body thing from of when since I was younger from a very vanity standpoint of like Mm -hmm. I need to look better I don't look good enough I need to be skinnier um I definitely was entertaining and saving up money to get tons of plastic surgery that's another Mm -hmm. thing I got to talk about um but like now like I'm grateful at least that it got me into it because I was a very lazy child (laughs) and I wasn't really into sports (laughs) me neither I was not the most coordinated team yeah, player. Like I'm nobody ever not. really wanted me on their team. Still not. Still yeah. not. Um, but like I'm grateful that it brought me into that world because the science nerd in me now has like been totally captivated about the true health benefits, whether that's like mental clarity and like how, th- you know, this kind of sleep like helps clarify your brain or like clears out the fluids in your around your brain each night like that stuff mm-hmm. fascinates the crap out of me so I've tried yeah. to like find more entryways into that maintenance of my body of my 
mechanics, you know, like the body that I have Mm -hmm. to embrace it for like what you're saying, how incredible it is. Like it's Mm -hmm. an amazing machine to take better care of it. Um, So I still definitely still care about the vanity stuff. And like it goes hand in hand, but it's not solely that anymore. And I'm very grateful for that. And I encourage because we have so many resources at our disposal at this point, just from YouTube and the internet in general. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many ways to like enjoy it and to research it and find the thing that actually speaks to you because it's not this one size fits all. (laughs) But like, it's not a one size fits all situation, but our bodies are incredible and it it is worthwhile, like me getting all preachy, but it's worthwhile to like figure out how to keep it in good health and in and in good condition you know yeah and not just like doing everything just because other people are doing it right yeah. like everybody's obsessed with berries so like you like if berries doesn't like you like if you don't like berries you don't have to like, i was like if berries doesn't like you if, if you don't like berries Screw like you berries. don't have to yeah you don't berries have to go a jerk sometimes yeah berry, <laughs> berry can be a huge jerk <laughs> but i think that that was like so critical of me with my like finding my workout because i remember when i was younger um i thought that running was like a huge, like everybody's way of like, I don't know, working out. So I would go run on the track and I hated it. And I remember one time Mm. I went um, running with my roommates in college and we like did a lap around the block and they usually do like two to three after one. I was like, yeah, all right, I'm good. I'm going (laughs) to head back now. And like, that's when I realized like running is just not my thing. Mm. But then I tried Pilates and I really liked that. You know, I like faster pace, like yoga. I really like spin and like, that's like my form of cardio that I actually like. So now I'm like holding on to that because I'm like, okay, this is actually something that I chose through my identity crisis. <laughs> this is something that like I chose that I like. And, um, you know, I don't care if some people say it's like kind of like a cult. It can be kind of like a cult sometimes, you know, like soul cycle, <laughs> but I think like I enjoy it and I feel good afterwards. And I think a lot of it is about like how you feel and, I, I feel anybody who's listened to like our podcast knows like I'm obsessed with outdoor voices because that is what the CEO and founder like preaches. She's like, you know, you have all of these like competitive, like Nike, Lululemon, where you look at the images of the people that are like in their advertisements and you're like, oh, I could never be that. Mm-hmm. But, and like, you know, they're always like showing like the number one athletes in the world. And like, those are the people that they work with. And she's like, you know, working out and kind of being active isn't about winning. It isn't about like, oh, you know, uh, how far, like how fast you can run, how heavy you can lift and all that stuff. It's literally just about getting your body moving. Right. And it's, and it's about like the endorphins that you get from it. And it's, even if it's just from a walk outside, walking your dog, like a light jog, whatever kind of movement means to you, like that is what she wants her clothing to be for. I love and like, it. I found that so inspirational because I was like, yeah, like I'm never going to be a top notch athlete. Like I don't look at the Olympians and be like, yeah, that could be me one day. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> never, you know, mm-hmm. even in like the, what is it? Like the speed, like walking, like fast walking, <laughs> speed walking. <laughs> like I'm like, I can never do that. But it's like, okay to not be that because you're you and you need to find the things that work well for you. Like, yeah. I think that kind of going back again to like the clothing and stuff like that. When I was younger, I used to buy clothes like clothes, like two sizes too small. Because I was like, oh, this is my ideal size. This is like who I motivation. Would want to be. Like, yeah, I'm gonna, motivation. I'm, I will, I will, I bought this and I'm gonna fit in this one exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah. 
But if, if anything, like what that taught me was that most of the time I don't go closer to the size. I usually go bigger than that size. And then I would feel even worse about myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was something that in New York, I was like, I need to stop buying clothes that don't fit me because it makes me feel bad about myself. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the size that I am, you know, like I just need to buy clothes that fit well and look good on me. And that, that exists out there. Right. But it's, again, learning what works well for you and like tweaking fa- the fashion industry, tweaking the, you know, um, what fitness industry into like something that works for you and not you trying to fit yourself into what their expectations of you are. 100%. And that is always, I think it's so wise of you to point that out because I think that part of the acceptance, the journey of like really embracing and accepting and and loving this body positivity movement that, you know, people can have their judgments and they can have their stereotypes of like how they're perceiving body positivity. And there's a lot of arguments, but I'm honestly just glad that it's being talked about Same. Um, yeah. because we're never done with it. So mm-hmm. yeah, like let's have at it. Let's, let's have a podcast. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, what I find ironic and very humorous about the whole like me accepting my body was, I just want to share an anecdote that I got really into the fitness world. I actually found that I enjoyed it. I'm not very graceful. I'm not good at sports. I suck at remembering rules. You don't mm-hmm. want me on your team. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> I will lose the game for you. But when it came to like weight training, when it came to like hit and like doing pushups and stuff, I was actually not that bad. Like mm. from a baseline, I wasn't yeah. as terrible as I thought. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a boyfriend at the time who was like training me in that. And I got into it and then he trained me how to do it. I started doing by myself because I was like, oh, these are really quick and efficient. I also like quick, efficient things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just do these like 12 to 15 minute workouts by myself. And I started actually, uh, conversely, I really never looked at myself as an athlete in any aspect. I was like, I'm yeah. the artist. I'm the thespian. Like I will, <laughs> I will go draw the athletes. I can't be one of them. Right. And I really kind of surprised myself at how finding the thing that I liked and why I liked it because it was efficient because it was like something that I didn't feel too clunky with mm-hmm. doing like handheld weights. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I actually really like this. My body did change and I got a lot more athletic than I ever thought I would be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it, that kind of op- opened up a new portal to me. And then finally, the ironic part is that I did did lose weight, but I got more muscular. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, again, this evolution of accepting my body for what it is that I can be more athletic, then my body type might lean more athletic and you might not lose the weight that you thought you would in the way that you thought it would. So right. I had to even reconcile like, wow, I look really quote unquote fit, but like I don't look that nice in clothes. So mm-hmm, like just figuring mm-hmm. out where that all fits into the grand scheme of things and just learning how to enjoy. Like I just laugh about it now. Still kind of yeah. bugs me because I was like, damn it, I'm working so hard. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like finding things that like work for you, that fit you, that like mm-hmm. go with your body type and that mm-hmm. like go from there. I mean, my, I'm just kind of also in my 30s now really accepting that my body's going to constantly change. Like if I become yeah. a mother, if I whatever, like my body continues to like, it's a very curious thing that I, I inhabit. And mm-hmm. I think having an open mind about where your body can even take you. Mm-hmm. Like once you start meddling with it, like start experimenting with workouts or whatever healthy diets or whatever you want to incorporate, it could really surprise you. And like doing the intermittent fasting thing has made my life a lot better because I don't have to worry about breakfast. Mm -hmm. And like, I honestly have reaped good like weight loss benefits off of that. That's been a partial motivator, but 
everything, like there's so many ways that people approach this, whether it's like the outside in or inside out. I'm personally approaching it both Yeah. <laughs> at this I mean, point. That's a healthy way of doing it, you know? I get a little obsessive in my head that I'm like too, still too vanity obsessed, but but I think that that's we where all I'm at. Are. I mean, yeah. you know, we're all a lot more self <laughs> self obsessed and selfish than we would like to admit. Yeah, and I think that that's what I realized too. Where like it's okay to admit that, like, oh, I kind of wish this, like, you know, skirt fit better. I wish that that bump wasn't there and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, it's okay to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But it's also like that awareness of it and like where that's coming from and why that is. Yeah. And I think that that's been like my biggest thing. Am I acknowledging it because other people acknowledged it and that make like that makes me self-conscious or am I the one who's truly unhappy about it? Right. And I don't know. I mean, this body, this body thing, like I have noticed such big changes in my body over the past like 10 years. Like I remember when I was in high school, I could eat a whole Chipotle burrito bowl. No problem. Now Ooh. I eat half and I'm full through dinner, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, it's acknowledging those changes and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's nothing wrong with it. Like some people are just going to have fast metabolism. Like I have so, I have, I remember when I was younger, I would always hold it against my, well, in my head, I would hold it against them. But like I had friends who were like stick thin and ate way more than I did. And I was like, why? That's so unfair. Yeah. Like, but that's just how our bodies are. Right. Yeah. So once you like learn to accept that, find thing and find ways that like, okay, like maybe, you know, instead of indulging like once a week, I'll indulge every other week or like I'll, you know, like I'll, yeah, I have friends who are like, I eat super, super healthy on the weekdays and then I indulge on the weekends. And like, that's yeah. how I find my balance. And it's like setting rules like that work for you and yeah. accepting your body for what it is, is it's, it's gonna, it's a lifelong journey. You know, it's not something that happens overnight. Some days I feel great. Some days I feel awful. And again, right. Like I too want to be a mother. Like my body's going to change so much after that. And my mom even blames me to this day. She's like, well, my body wasn't like this before you, (laughs) you know? And, and that's okay, but it's beautiful what our bodies are able to do. And I think that that is kind of the biggest takeaway, like focus on that you know, and then through that, you can find little habits and things that work for you that can make you just feel good about yourself. I think it's all about how you feel about yourself. I love it. Yes. And before we wrap up, and I hate to end this conversation because I could talk to you for (laughs) days and days, but I know you have a very busy day. Um, couple questions. Well, one, I would love for you to share what you're working on now because I think it's really exciting and definitely tied to what we've been talking about. But secondly, Mm -hmm. what, you know, now that you're entering this new phase of more appreciation, like what are your tactics? Like what, how have you been loving yourself more? How, mm-hmm. what, what have, what have you been doing? Is there anything, yeah, that you recommend for someone yeah. who, who feels or has been feeling similar to how you've been? Ooh, man. Um, I think definitely for me, it's like acknowledging my strengths I think that I spend so much time focusing on the negatives and things that I can't do. And I, you know, like I can't, can't, can't like mentality that like I was really hard on myself. And I think that that's how it was when I first moved back to LA. I lived in New York for a little over four years and then I moved back to LA and I went through, you know, this whole like, oh my gosh, I was doing so well and so motivated and like excited about life. And 
projects and stuff in New York and I moved back and I kind of reverted, I moved home and I reverted a little bit back to my like high school self. And I like really like hated myself for that. And so I think that I was so hard on myself that after a couple months of that kind of self-loathing, like I didn't even know what I was good at anymore. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just more so acknowledging like, hey, okay, I'm good at this. I can do this. I can do that. And slowly creating a routine for myself. Like I think that um, I'm sure you relate to this as well, especially kind of working in freelance and as an actress, your schedule is different every single day, right? Oh, yeah. And like you're like, oh, there are 800 million things that I need to do. But if you don't actually prioritize and set goals for yourself and, you know, set kind of a guideline, you're never going to get anything done. And Mm -hmm. I think that's always been my biggest struggle, like not being able to actually like kind of follow through. Like I had all these ideas and all of these things, but kind of tying into like the identity crisis thing, like I never knew like what was really what I wanted or like what I was actually trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think that acknowledging like, Hey, um, I really enjoy talking to people and connecting with them. And that is a strength, like acknowledging that as a strength, because I think a lot of the time we, uh, the things that come easy to us, we just overlook and we're Mm -hmm. just kind of like, Oh, everybody can do that because I can do that. Mm -hmm. But I think that really truly like acknowledging like, no, this is a strength and I can use it in this way. Like that has been huge for me. And I think that even talking to your friends about it, like having them point out traits that they see the good that they see in you kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like the good that I see in you. Mm -hmm. Um, like, I think that that also helps you kind of like, like not define, but just kind of gives you a better idea of like, Oh, I never knew that that was something that was one of my strengths. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been a really huge factor kind of tying into what I'm up to now, um, which is starting my own clothing line. Um, yeah, you are (laughs) the the whole conversation that we had about fashion earlier. Like it, boils my blood because I feel like that was what was the kind of the source of a lot of my insecurities of not being able to fit into what other people's ideals were, what the beauty standard was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, trying to fit myself into a size eight when I'm really like a size 10 to 12 or, you know, looking like having those numbers, like seemingly define me. And, you know, I know that like for me, I think that when it comes to buying clothes, like I just had such a hard time buying clothes. Like it just doesn't fit right. And I'm, and like, I've realized that in the industry, we're also pitched this idea of what a woman should be. And Mm -hmm. it's like, she should be this party or party girl. She should be this worldwide traveler. She should be this like girl who has a lot of fun. And that's a lot of what like brands now are promoting. And I think that the reality, I mean, and I love that I fed into that. Like that was my so-called like fantasy life. Like I would buy dresses and be like, Oh, I can't wait to wear this in, you know, Bali. And I have yeah. no plans <laughs> of going to Bali. Um, or Ibiza on well, the beach drinking from a, whatever. Exactly. Like I created this fantasy self and I bought clothes for that, even though that wasn't really me. Mm. And when I realized that like, um, on the day to day, like I didn't have clothes for work and the clothes that I did have for work, I hated it because I didn't like the way how frumpy it made me look. But, you know, it covered, it covered the cleavage. It was high neck enough. <laughs> it was, you know, not cropped, not sheer, not too lacy, not too much. Um, and then that made the clothes boring. And so I think I started noticing that like a lot of, um, influence, like there are like a handful of influencers that do focus on kind of that more minimalistic, like chic kind of look that's like more practical for work. 
And Mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of what I was like, that to me, that spoke to me a lot because like, I feel like I remember working at um, CBS in a corporate office and feeling very like boss, but then also like hating my clothes because like it didn't fit right or didn't look right and all of that stuff. So um, it's kind of these two factors of just like, you know, clothes never fitting me right. And women being fed this idea of like wearing short skirts and going out all the time, but then like not having like a proper, like nice blouse or like a pair of pants that are like work appropriate. Mm -hmm. That is really driving me to kind of start this clothing line. Very cool. I love it. And I feel you because I've done all of the above. I've been the part, but it's, it's, we're just, we're having different conversations now. And I feel like Mm -hmm. you're really, you were, you're paying attention to your own conversation and you're listening to what other women are talking about, right? What mm-hmm. are the, what are the pain points and how can we be that solution? And I love that you're approaching this because you're incredibly stylish and you know you. you have you have a you have an honoring of a woman's body that I think mm-hmm. is that's just part of fashion. It's not just product. Yeah. It's yeah. it's we live in it, you know? Right. So, and I love that it. the fashion industry is starting to, you know, kind of tinker around in that um, yeah. field of just like, dress, you know, like I remember stories of celebrities being like, I was a size eight. And so they didn't want to dress me. And now they're actually like actively looking for plus size models. And part of it, you know, I'm sure it's consumerism and just kind of going with the trends of now body positivity being this trend. But I do like, like that they're at least bringing light to it and that people mm-hmm. are talking about it more. And hopefully that'll allow for more girls to feel accepted. Cause I think both of us know how shitty it feels when we're in middle school yeah. and confused there's things coming out of our chest we're, we're yep. bleeding once a month like yep. there's there's a lot that i think that we go through that in a way we even suppress like i think a lot of our generation like suppressed those memories mm-hmm. um but now i think that it's really really i love that we're bringing it to light and yeah. talking about it so openly um so yeah i love it I love it. And a really quick sidebar, because we're talking mm-hmm. about bodies. You just brought up such an important point that I can't believe I didn't bring up because we have so many things to talk about on this so topic. Many things. <laughs> but in terms of like what women go through on a monthly basis in terms of not even just like physical changes, but the hormonal changes and then mm-hmm. how things just intensify and feel and feel out of control. Those are real, real things. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm actually really trying to strategize how to deal with my own feelings when I'm in mm. that that one week I do have Ooh. a week where I just kind of fall apart a little bit yes and Don't trying trying to like hold accountable like telling my telling my family and Kenji like don't let me make big decisions during this week because it <laughs> there's a chance a higher risk that I'll I I don't fully mean it I'm not I'm not painting a picture because everybody's bodies are different but yeah. I just know that like when I'm feeling that low, it can, it happens on a regular basis. And that's mm-hmm. something very difficult to cope with. It's not impossible to cope with. We all do cope with it. Yeah. But I'm just wanted to make space to be like, give everyone a freaking hug. Like all my women out there, I understand. Like it is, it is something that I cannot properly communicate to my male brothers that, <laughs> that and my family that love us, but they, it's just something they don't experience and it mm-hmm. is what it is, but it's, mm-hmm. it can be really challenging. So yeah. even like, 
I was just thinking, I was like, should you have like, you know, your period version of clothes and like the, the clothes that yeah, you wear right? when you're like PMSing yeah. or on your period is different than when the week after. Like Totally. Because I'm so bloated. I feel even worse about myself than I normally do. I'm <laughs> yeah. extra irritable. Anybody who says anything to me, I will be extra snappy. I totally agree with that. And I feel like that that's a great idea. Like I actually didn't even think about that. But like I do hey. think that our periods affect us so much and it's like not talked about enough yeah yeah Yeah. and like it's always dismissed like oh you must be pmsing so like i just won't bother you then like you deal with your your time of month and i'm just you know what i'm appreciative of that half the time because i was like yeah please do leave me alone go away but like said in that way this that's the conversation i think we need to have is just like I'm like, don't disparage me for like my body experiencing yeah. something that I have no control over. Yes. Like, oh that's my God. It. I just bought pads today and I spent Compassion. like 20 bucks and mm. I was like, oh, like, I, I, this is like, the pink tax on my life. <laughs> literally, that I have to spend just to like literally raise this uterus in me that I did was like never even given the choice of whether or not I wanted to raise it. Like, it's just something I have to deal with. And I feel like, I, I I mean, this is also a very interesting topic to me because I feel like it's so like I know that more people are talking about it now, but like especially in the Asian culture, like I feel like we just didn't talk about it. We're so oh, hush hush. Yeah. And even then they're like, oh, just suck it up. Like, oh, are your cramps really that bad? Mm-hmm. That whole conversation. But another Girl, topic for another yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> another topic for another day, but included in, in this topic of our bodies and being yes. positive and embracing it. And I don't think we're talking about getting into like la la land. Our bodies are machines too, Mm -hmm, but we're mm -hmm. doing the best we can to take care of it, um, to acknowledge it in a, in a truly loving way, not to beat ourselves up and seeing what, where it can go from there. Like really, what more can you ask for? Um, Regina, you're freaking incredible and you're an amazing soul. I think you're incredibly intelligent and wise and like passionate. And I just, I think whatever you're going to put that into, and now that you have this renewed energy and you have this project that you're working on, I'm super freaking excited to see how this takes off. Oh, thank you so much. That means, uh, that means a lot to me. I mean, I, again, so thankful that off the mic, like brought us all together. Um, but you've been such an inspiration and to be here and to be able to talk to you about all these things and to have your support. I, it, it really means the world. Yay. I, I will appreciate your appreciation. Uh, yes. uh, <laughs> oh, feelings. Feelings. Um, where can people find more of you? Where can they listen to your podcast where they can find you on social media? Um, so my podcast is called Perfectly Imperfect and I host it with Christine Chen. Um, you can find it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts now they're called, right? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast really. And then you can find me on, I'm most active on Instagram, but I might kind of you know, play around with YouTube again once more. But um, on Instagram, you can find me at Regina.Fang. Amazing. Please do follow my dear Regina and um, her podcast. I've plugged Perfectly Imperfect multiple times and I'll plug it again. Great place to hear more um, thoughts and insights on all of our journeys as human beings. Um, and props to you for keeping that going with Christine. We shout out to Christine Chen. We love you very much. Yes. And you. that is sadly it for this episode of First of All. And if you enjoyed this and it resonated with you and think it could help somebody else, please do share it with a friend and leave a five-star review. And uh, a subscription would be lovely too. 
And you can follow me at First of All Pod and my personal pages at Minjeezy. And yeah, if you want to ask me anything, you can DM me. You can also email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. And I give a quick shout out to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. And thank you to Aquafina and Uzuhan for their use, their music uh, for intro and outro. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere else you find podcasts, including Spotify. And yeah, find me on Patreon if you want to be a supporter. And I think that's yes, all my plugs. <laughs> yes, let's do all the support. Um, but thank you again to Regina for being an amazing guest this week. Go check out our podcast. Have an amazing day. Love yourself. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Came in 88 with a dream also oh bright eyed. They knew right away, sick of swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting their teeth on the move, nobody's filling these shoes. Balling on a budget, had to go to Nudge, super size number two, cash. Way that the world ain't budging, gotta make a power move. Deep in the darkest dungeons, I'm digging up my own room. Hey, hands on the plow, keep my head down, sweat on my brow, don't make a sound, pay my dues now. Mm, but we're still here And we're going strong It's an exciting time in Asian America There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences So what do we do? Tell more slices Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution Giant Robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. <laughs>